This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Well, I'm closing out our conference today with the, uh, and, I, and I hope you've all watched uh, online. If you haven't, please go and, I, I, this, this is probably, you know, every time we have a conference, somebody says, that's the best one. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Even I'm saying it this time. This was amazing, 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 amazing. And if you, how, how many of you have not seen last night's message? You have not seen it. Well, most of you have. That was incredible. I don't know if I've ever, I, I wept the whole time. I just wept. I thought, oh God, this is unbelievable. And you know, when you honor people and you honor them correctly, you don't have to hype it. You know, you saw a little clip today, Pastor Bonnie, for 40 years. She hasn't changed a bit. She's doing the same thing. Just got a little older. A little better looking. But I want to commend our team. I want to commend our uh, family, our church family. All of our guest speakers, they were amazing this year. Uh, I'm so grateful to... Amen. I'm grateful to uh, Gary Hay. He helped and brought a beautiful message. I'll never forget it, you know, on reflecting the glory of God. And then, of course, uh, Billy Wilson, here he is, a teacher. You can tell he's from an academic background, but he, he brought such a powerful, such a pertinent word, uh, and, you know, and you know, I just, about hearing, hearing the voice of God. In, in this year of hearing the Father's voice, I thought that was excellent. Of course, what do I have to say about our friend Goodwill Shana, who's uh, just being elevated all over Africa. God's using him mightily, so we're, we're, we're grateful to him. And then on top of that, uh, of course, the master communicator, Bishop Von McLaughlin, you know. And... Uh, I have to tell you, even I, I spoke to him last night after I'd watched his message uh, at the end of Pastor Bonnie's uh, you know, dedication where we, where we honored her for 40 years of ministry. And uh, I spoke to him on, uh, on the phone and uh, I could hear the relief in him, but I think even he was a little shocked at how well he did. <laughs> he was amazing and I am so grateful for that. Uh, today we have a very special program, and of course, as we close out the uh, the uh, conference, I, I have one last message, and I believe this is probably the most important message I'll bring around the subject of piercing the darkness. It's not an easy message. It's something I've wrestled with. It's something I've wrestled with in my own family. I've wrestled with it in our church. I've wrestled with it in the nation, and I think it's the next big challenge for the, the world. Uh, I call it piercing the darkness and the darkness of mental illness. And perhaps the best way to look at mental illness is the way we would look at all other illnesses. You see, often the illnesses that we face as people, sickness and disease, and by the way, mental illness is a form of dis-ease. It's an uneasiness of a mind. It may come for many reasons, but part of it is the stress and the pressure that people live under these days. They're not able to cope. Others is it's physical. 
Others is it's caused by trauma. We'll get into that in a minute. But these illnesses are often not self-induced. And so people are frequently innocent victims of their circumstances. With mental illness, this is this too often is not usually self-induced. And like any other illness, there is a physiological cause behind it. It could be simply a chemical imbalance in the brain, or it could be some unknown cause like some undetected aneurysm. It could be a brain injury, or a trauma, or a deformity at birth, or caused by some kind of medication that has caused an effect on the human brain. So we cannot look at mental illness as some kind of a character flaw or defect. And looking down on those who struggle with mental illness uh, is not the way to go. Because there's no one more happy, or unhappy I should say, about their mental illness than the person who is struggling with the pain of the mental illness. As a pastor, I know people are often looked down upon, stigmatized and stereotyped. But I want you to know something, they're just like everyone else. We're all broken. Just, just turn to your neighbor and say, we're all broken. We're all fallen because of our sinful nature. It's just that some of us will have different kinds of brokenness than we have. That doesn't make their brokenness or their life any less. It doesn't make ours any less. Think of the pain that mental health patients have experienced, the prejudice or the bias because of their mental illness. Would we, would you and I, judge someone as being inferior because they had a broken leg or a broken arm? If they came and sought medical treatment for a broken leg or a broken arm, would you look down on them? But it's not so with mental illness. As believers, we have no right to judge anyone who is experiencing mental illness or mental suffering. We do have a right to pray for them and support them and to treat them with respect and with dignity as you would anyone else. Mental illness is an equal opportunity affliction, just like cancer. It doesn't discriminate. Sometimes there are external factors that cause a person to develop a mental illness. We're only now beginning to understand some of the pain that children suffer through negligence and through abuse. Mental illness can be a result of extreme verbal abuse or emotional abuse or physical abuse or sexual abuse or just pure living in fear. We have people that have grown up in a fearful society. In Zimbabwe alone, we are having more suicides than we've ever had before, and it's mainly among young people because they have lost a sense of hope. That is a mental illness. That is a mental sickness. Japan cannot cope any longer with the suicide rate amongst their people because they have created a toxic environment. No one's getting married. Nobody sees a hope. Nobody sees a future. All they can see is trying to keep bread on the table in probably one of the most industrialized nations of the world. But today, 
I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too deeply because there is a, I want to talk about hope. I want to talk about light in the darkness of the world that for many, they feel like they can never get out of or it's a dark hole or it's a, a dark cloud that covers their life. God gives us hope. People do recover their mental health. So there's always hope. In fact, we're seeing people getting better and better and better every day. Many go on to live perfectly normal lives and you'll probably couldn't even pick them out in the crowd. There are success stories and they need to be celebrated just as the hundreds of thousands of people who celebrate defeating cancer every year. We need to celebrate people who are not only facing up to and owning the fact that they have struggles in their mental health, but they're willing to face it. They're willing to do whatever it takes and conquer it. And there is hope for that. Even when there's no cure, mental illness can be treated. And in most cases, just as with other illnesses, it can be either managed or it can be overcome. Perhaps the best experts of all are those who have to live or have lived with mental illness either in themselves or with a family member. Either way, it's, it's not easy when somebody has a mental illness. The person living with the mentally ill family member can suffer nearly as much as the person who has the mental illness. The person with the mental illness is often aware that their illness is affecting their family members and it makes them even suffer more because of it. But again, I want to say this, there is hope. And this hope comes from educating ourselves. This hope comes from facing and bringing to the light the fact that there is this issue, there is this situation in our home, in our family, with our neighbor, with our friends. And not to run away from it, not to be afraid of it, not to be fearful, but to learn and to help each other to get through this. Piercing the darkness of this subject is the first step in bringing the issue or the issues to light. If we can pierce the darkness of talking about it, we can then begin to solve the problem of living with it and conquering it. There's practical ways that we can deal with mental illness. There are things that we can do spiritually for ourselves and for others. And there's an ever-increasing body of treatments and information coming forward from the medical community. We have many mental health professionals right here in the church and uh, they've helped me and my family walk through some issues we faced and I'm so deeply grateful for the help that we've been able to receive and that others in the church are receiving because this is, I think, the new pandemic. Doctors, can now give patients more hope than ever before since the latest research that's coming to us has brought us different techniques, different treatments that can be used and applied in our lives or in the lives of others. For the Christian who lives with mental illness, faith in God plays a huge role in our lives. Everything else might seem shaky in this world, but not the rock the Son of God, Jesus 
Christ. He is the firm foundation upon which all of us can stand. If ever there was a need for an anchor in a stormy harbor, in a dark storm of our life, Christ is that anchor. He is the solid rock. He is the bread of life. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is all and in all. Paul wrote it this way in Colossians 1 and verse 17. It says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Well, I'll tell you, that gives me great hope. It gives me great hope that in Christ, he can pull all things. In him, in him, all things can be held together. And he can hold us together too when things seem to be falling apart. If God is that third chord in our relationship, if God is the one thing that doesn't change or doesn't move, that's not easily broken in our life, then we better hold on to him. And it'll give us hope that we're able to bear the things of this life. As believers, when we, uh, we not only have hope in this life, which we should have hope in this life. I hope none of you have lost hope. But God also says that we can move, move boldly into our future because we know what's about to come. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He did, and he said it this way so that we could endure the suffering of this life. He says, knowing this in Romans 8, 18, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us and in us. Can I tell you something? The longer I live, the more I realize that life is full of pain. Life is full of suffering. We have moments where we must enjoy that moment. You have just moments where you can enjoy a person and then they're gone. You have just moments where you can celebrate another person and then they're gone. You may only have one moment, and this may be that moment, where that person can be celebrated because we don't know if they'll live till tomorrow. There's a lot of pain in the world, but the Bible tells me, the Bible tells me that all the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us. There is an eternity. And I'm going to tell you something. Today, you better know there's an eternity and that this life is passing. It is very, very short. You know, I'm on the other side of 50 now. I'm on the other side of 60. I'm almost to 70. And I'm realizing that there are less years coming at me than there are behind me. But I want to celebrate every moment I can. I want to walk with people and I want to love people as best as I can. No matter what happens in our life, Romans 8.28 says that we know that those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. My dear friend Al Bernard says it this way. He says that scripture should be interpreted whatever comes, either comes from God or is used by God. He says, take the devil out of the equation. He says, God will use it in your life and it'll work it for good for your life. Amen? Now, there's a lot of debate around mental illness and it is possible that some mental illnesses are due to spiritual struggles. 
since we are very complex in our design. In this case, we have examples in the scriptures. We can study and go through the scriptures and see that there are people that are delivered from mental illness in the scriptures. Demonic oppression. And the Bible says he was found clothed and in his right mind. You know, the, the Gadarean. There were people that were mentally unstable. I, I mean, some were radically so. And God delivered them. Jesus delivered them. But not all people are demonically oppressed. We in the church have seen many people who have been renewed in the spirit of their mind. The Bible says be renewed in the spirit of your mind through biblical teaching, through illumination. I have a dear friend who was a drug addict and he uh, spent eight hours a day for two years reading a Bible, reading a Bible. When, we, when he first came back from Vietnam as a drug addict, he couldn't string two words together. You'd speak to him and, and his responses were so delayed that after speaking to him, he Huh? Uh, it's just, he was, it was painful to be around him. He'd been an athlete when he went to Vietnam and he came back a vegetable, strung out on heroin and broken. But eight hours a day for two years, he went to a Bible college and just read the Bible and stayed over the Bible. He became a radio announcer. He became an articulate uh, sportscaster. Uh, God, God healed him. God restored him. God brought him back from the brink. I know the power of the gospel. I know the power of the word of God. I know that we've seen many delivered and set free just through the illumination of scripture. We are remarkable the way God has made us. We, have, we all have a remarkable connection of spirit, of soul, of body and mind. But we have to be careful to not immediately dismiss the possibility of mental illness or to automatically assume some kind of spiritual deficiency when we encounter people that are struggling mentally. Our actions could end up being a type of spiritual abuse. Look, when somebody's suffering, ours is not to judge, ours is not to point the finger, ours is not to accuse. Many of us are afraid of people that are going through something because we just don't know what to say or what to do. Let me tell you, you don't have to say or do anything, but you can't react negatively and you shouldn't judge. We need to learn how to be loving and kind and caring one for another. That'll pierce the darkness of this terrible trauma that many people face. As Christians, we can sometimes assume that there's something else to it some deeper spiritual struggle causing a person's mental illness. But can I tell you something? We are in no position to judge that person. God alone knows the struggles of a human being. The scripture says this. It says that no one knows another man's sorrow and no one knows another man's joy. One scripture says this. It says a person can be laughing on the outside and be broken on the inside. Another person can be broken on the outside, but laughing on the inside. We don't know. And ours is not to judge. There's so much misunderstanding about mental illness. And in some circles in the church, we have not been helpful to those that have been struggling. I've been guilty of that. Not knowing what to do. Not knowing how to even help the next person. But I want to say this. I know this. But you'd never go wrong in just treating everybody with decency, love, 
and not reacting like it's, it has something to do with you, but you just love them wherever they're at. You find them and you meet them where they are. Many have suffered unnecessary shame and unnecessary guilt. As a church and as believers, we must make room for mercy to flow. We must allow God to use their struggle to strengthen their faith and to strengthen our faith. We can pray for people who are in the throes of mental illness or the challenge of mental illness, and we can support them, we can befriend them, and we can encourage them. Whatever we do, we must not judge and we must not stereotype anyone who is struggling with a mental unwellness. There's not one amongst us that is exactly the same. We are all broken cisterns, and only God can restore us. Some are broken in their bodies. Others are broken in their emotions and can be covered or managed and easily accepted because, you know, when you have a, broken, a break in your body, you can cover it up. When you have a break in your emotions, you can hide it. But when someone is broken or damaged in their mind, because there has been such darkness around the subject, we have a tendency to judge or to project or even worse, shun such people. We need to repent as a church. We need to say, no, we are going to be light bearers with and for each other. Now, for some, total deliverance may not come in this lifetime, but that's okay. We still live as Jesus did in joyful expectation of what lies ahead. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author or the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Some of us have a cross to bear, and I'm sorry, it's not gonna be easy, but we can help you. We can bear that burden with one another. God has called us to do that, and in so doing, we can pierce this darkness. We have a great hope there will be a time when we'll see our Lord and we'll see our Savior face to face. And when we do, when we see him that very first time, when we see him face to face, it'll be the end of all suffering. It'll be the end of all sorrow, all pain, all death, and all illness of any kind. While we yet live in this life, we're all called to be overcomers and to help others to overcome. This darkness of mental illness it's a topic that we're gonna be speaking about from this pulpit quite a bit because I believe that this is the next wave of pain and suffering that especially we're seeing now with all this crazy, crazy stuff we're doing to people by masking up and, and keeping them from working and keeping them from family and people dying and no grieving properly. This is causing a wave of mental illness that is frightening. We have got to help each other. We've got to break the bondage of this kind of oppression off of ourselves. God did not create us to live that way. God created us to hug each other, to love each other. God gave us fresh air to breathe and God gave us each other. We need each other more than we've ever needed each other before. So I will be talking about this. We'll be dealing with it on a regular basis from this pulpit and in this church. And together we will help each other to remove the stigma and to pierce the darkness of this dreaded and often misunderstood topic. But as believers, you and I are gonna help each other to walk into the light. 
God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.